Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the Trapping Today podcast. I'm your host, Jeremiah Wood with TrappingToday.com. Um, good to be here, getting dangerous. Um, I just potted up uh, episode 15, just went up today. 16 is already done and in the hopper, and I decided to sit down and record another one. So um, it's getting dangerous, kind of enjoying this podcasting. Uh, I never, ever thought I'd even consider doing this, and uh, 16 in, um, I don't know, kind of fun, I'm liking it, so anyway, we'll see if you guys like it, more people listen, I will keep doing it, so um, tonight I get a few things written down here, um, so just got finished uh, making a few YouTube videos, so I've been playing around with the GoPro camera, and uh, just going around the fur shed. Actually, if you can hear in the background the wind howling, uh, we're getting another nor'easter storm here um, as I record this. Um, last week we got, uh, oh, 12 to 15 inches of snow with 30 mile an hour winds, and uh, we already had three feet of snow on the ground, and uh, this one's supposed to be another 15 inches or so, and just started about two hours ago. So, awesome, huh? Um, Northern Maine, mid-March in Northern Maine, so can't get away from it. Someday it'll melt, um, and I'll find all the stuff that's hidden under the snow. My cows are walking over the top wire of our fences, going wherever the heck they want to on the farm. Good thing uh, they still need feed, because if it wasn't for the feed, they'd be gone. Um, the top wire of the fence is 36 inches high, and they're just stepping right over it, so... Um, after today, there might not you might not be able to see the fence anymore. <laughs> so anyway, um, enough about that. The YouTube videos. So I covered a few things. Um, they're just generally short videos. Um, the first one that I did was basically just very basic, simple preparation of meat, uh, preserving meat for trapping bait. So one of the things that the maybe the older generation of trappers uh, had the advantage of and, and us new timers, younger generation didn't, is that for the most part uh, fewer and fewer of us grew up on the farm. So, um, you know, I grew up in the woods uh, but we didn't farm, we didn't have animals. Um, we lived right on the edge of the woods and got our food at the store, went to the store once a week. Um, and And I feel like I, I wish I would have learned a lot of that stuff, cake and carry animals, and uh, and a lot in how to preserve foods. Uh, and, you know, there was, for a long time, it was very common to salt down uh, meat uh, to preserve it, salt and smoke and can and everything else. Um, you know, I'm doing that now uh, as I'm, I've gotten into farming and learned, learned a lot of it later on in life. But... Um, salting meat is something that is so simple, but it's also um, so foreign to a lot of people. So, basically, I just showed in a YouTube video how I salt meat to prepare it to preserve it for trapping bait. I'm gonna use I get some some scraps. I I uh, I butchered an animal here a couple days ago, and I had some scraps, and I just showed you know putting down a layer of meat, layer of salt, layer of meat, layer of salt, and uh, put that all in a, a plastic bag sealed it up inside a five gallon pail and uh, in six months I'll go get it and it should 
be uh, the same way it was when I put it in there. Um, so that was one video. The other one was a, a book review that I did, and I'll talk about that in a few minutes. Um, the uh, I did. Uh, I also did one on just putting, basically putting uh, meat scraps in jars and in, in quart jars to start rotting them down, and how you do that, and just just the basics on that. It's it's real simple, but um, I am gonna be rotting some down to experiment with a, a few different uh, lure lure formulas I'm going to try out and, and uh, maybe make up a few of my own just um, you know try them out at some mock sets and see see how how that works as an attractor to animals so I'm just you know still dipping my toes in this lure making thing I made the long distance call um, I'm really happy with how that turned out but to be honest with you that's a really easy call to make you know like on our Martin and Fisher trap lines, and in any long distance call scenario, you're just looking for something to pull animals into the set, and, and you let your bait do the work. So, um, you know, a lot of heavy to skunk, a base that's going to hold up to the weather that we get here with a bunch of changing conditions. Um, that was basically all I needed, and then a few musks and in, in, in some different scents to uh, sort of provide added attractant. All right, had to take a quick break there and move the recording inside. Jeez, uh, that big nor'easter storm that's blown through is uh, the wind's going about 20 to 30 miles an hour, and uh, I've been having a hard time keeping a draft in the the stovepipe in the fur shed, so I keep getting smoke blown down every time we get big gusts of wind for a little little while sustained. Uh, it was blowing smoke in and smoking me out of there, so. <laughs> Um, it's happened three times this winter when we get those big northeast winds, just the way the building's lined up and um, probably a design flaw, but it hasn't burned down yet. So <laughs> anyway, um, uh, I was talking, yeah, I was talking about lure making. So, so I talked about the LDC lure and that was a pretty simple one to make and, and, uh, you're not really expecting that to be the most sophisticated lure in the world. Um, but when you get into, you know, special fox and coyote lures and, and, uh, <clears throat> there are certain lures that probably need to be more precise than others. Um, and I have a heck of a lot to learn when it comes to that, that type of, of, uh, I guess you would call precision lure making. Not to say a guy can't, uh, grind up a few glands and, and put a few, uh, essential oils in there and put in a bottle and catch uh, a whole pile of fox and coyotes um, that happens all the time but um, you know it's it's kind of a little mini uh, obsession of sorts and you try different things and and uh, you know, learn new things and see what works and what doesn't and and uh, try to just in in the the never-ending quest for the perfect lure i guess you could call it so i'm starting i'm rotting down some meat to try on a few things and do some experiments so that was a, just another quick video um and then the other thing that i did is um i got oh about a dozen 330s con bears from my neighbor they were from back he hasn't trapped for about 20 years or so so he had him sitting in his garage and I helped, I took care of his house while he was down in Florida for a couple months and um, he gave me those traps and 
the interesting thing is like uh, more than half of them had the springs the springs were compressed and the springs have been compressed on those traps for probably 20 years I would guess uh, based on when he he bought them new and based on when he stopped trapping so um, I've always heard the debate of whether you can whether you should comp- decompress your springs or they should store them you can store them compressed and back and forth and I've always wondered it and I don't I still don't know the answer um, usually some I leave compressed all year long and uh, some I I just uh, you know I'll set off and I'll I'll store them set off and then you know probably the bulk of my traps I guess I I've been making a point to try to uh, set them off and then uh, maybe compress them like a month before the season or a few weeks before the season when I'm getting ready to 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 get it set out of line or or when I'm uh, you know dipping them uh, dipping my body gripper traps or whatever so just kind of to be on the safe side although a lot of very experienced people never ever decompress the springs so anyway I I thought it'd be a neat experiment so I I set a bunch of them and I got the uh, video recording and I just started snapping them off in front of the video camera to uh, to see what they would do and I don't know how well it'll come out so I, I may or may not put that up on the YouTube channel but um, I did notice uh, it's a very small sample size and very unscientific for a person who, who likes scientific work it was incredibly unscientific and I did uh, anecdotally I noticed a significant difference in spring strength between the ones that had been compressed for 20 years and the ones that had not so for whatever that's worth they all fired off fine they all seemed uh, perfectly strong enough uh, to uh, to catch and hold a beaver um, and make a good kill on, on an animal so I don't know I'm still un, unconvinced either way um, and I'll I'll probably continue to keep that in mind. And just you know, if if it's more convenient to leave them compressed, in certain cases maybe I will. But you know, maybe I'll set them off if I get the chance and uh, and reset them before the season starts and and uh, just just to be on the safe side. So anyway, I'm sure people have opinions on that. Feel free to share them with me. Um, the other thing, okay, for a harvester's auction results so the auction has taken place come and gone and um, FHA is a little slower than NAFA in posting the results of their sales Um, it was in Finland and they're a smaller company and it's a lot of work to put those numbers together so they haven't provided averages the catalog the sales in the catalog are are uh, are all entered and, and they're in there so if a guy wanted to go through everything and uh, calculate his own averages, he could. But um, I know, you know, some things like coyotes sold very well, um, as expected. But uh, other beavers, I don't, I don't, I don't know the average on beavers. I don't think they sold great. Bobcats were um, a lot of bobcats did not sell. Um, just you know a few other items I'm thinking of like coons some of the very best coons sold and that's about it um, Fisher I was actually pretty happy I had a couple Fisher in there I had three 
in there. Two of them sold an average $51, so that was pretty good, I thought. Um, Martin did very, very poorly, um, and it was ironic because that should have been the better Martin sale, uh, being close to, to all those buyers in Finland, and uh, for Harvesters, always has a good collection of Martin. Uh, right after the NAFA sale, did really well. I can't remember what NAFA was, like $80 average on Martin or something for those better Alaskan Martin. Um, and then 50 some on the the more of the Martin like we have um, in more in, in northern Maine. So I expected a lot, and it was a very big disappointment. Um, my main Martin averaged $26.25. So, and, and I did not put the Martin in, in that sale last year, but I had, um, a friend that put him in a similar lot that looked just like the lot that I sold this year. And he averaged like f- close to $50 last year. So we're talking, um, in the neighborhood of half of, of last year, the really good Alaskan Martin, uh, according to some of the guys that sold, they seem to average around $60, um, where they again they got 80 or 90 um, at NAFA a week before, so uh, yeah, who knows what happened? That's that's the thing with auctions, you know. That auction's been the best one for the last two three years, and then um, and then all of a sudden this happens. So uh, a little disappointing, but you know we're we're kind of used to it at this point. It's gonna be low. It's just the way it is. So we'll keep trapping and uh, focus on the the good fur. Um, and, and hopefully things will come around. All right, uh, Fur Profit book, my new book. Um, just a little update on that. Selling some uh, some more copies to uh, supply companies. If you are a trapping supply company, a dealer, uh, if you have um, you know a shop and you wanna you wanna sell some of these, um, I do have uh, bulk wholesale prices available, so you can get in touch with me on that. And uh, I can give you a you know price depending on quantity. Um, you get a certain discount, and it's pretty significant if you buy a large quantity of books to resell. Um, so I get a lot of work to do on the book as far as promotion and getting the word out and uh, buckling down and spending a few bucks on advertisement, which kind of hurts. Uh, I am. This is a goal that I've had for a long time. Is you know, I've I've written on trapping today forever on the website just for myself, and I crank something out and I publish it when I want to, and it's pretty cool. But uh, you know, I've always wanted to um, to write in trapping magazines, and I've never really pursued it. So, and and I'm not really sure why. I guess I always thought, well, you know, the in, the internet is is changing a lot of this stuff, and and people are gonna get a lot more of their trapping information online so I've got the platform online to do that so you know why do I need to to write there but you know over the years I realized that uh, you know those are popular magazines I read most of them myself and I subscribe to several of them and um, a lot of people prefer to read in that format and why the heck am I not trying to get my name in there so um, I've been I've submitted a couple of articles um, I expect I'll probably get several rejections uh, before I get one accepted. And I think that's kind of the game in in the writing world. Um, 
So, uh, you know, I, I write a monthly column for Northwood Sporting Journal, which is our local kind of uh, one of the local sporting journals, that, the, the largest in the Northeast. Um, it's based out of Maine. And uh, and that's great. I, I really enjoy doing that. But I'm, I'm fortunate that I was able to get in as a columnist there. And uh, and uh, I don't have to work super hard to get things uh, approved every month to get things published. So this is going to be a different game. It's going to take some humility, um, but it's something I really want to do. So I'm going to work on it, and I hope, I believe I'll get better at it and understand what editors want, what type of stories they're looking for, uh, taking good pictures, going out on the line and experiencing things. And, uh, you know, we'll get there get there eventually um one of the things that i kind of had thought about for a little while was you know we, we all have our favorite or most of us have our favorite trap line authors or writers the people that we used to read uh, articles from in fur fishing game or trapper predator caller and you know now it's trappers post or trappers world um you know those those historic uh legendary guys uh, so Hal Sullivan is w- one of those that comes to mind, um, or uh, you know Jim Spencer is is uh, now editor on, at Trapper Predator Caller. Uh, there's a bunch of those guys, and then of course the real old timers that used to write in all the magazines. They were really legit, old school, old timer mountain man trappers like Walter Arnold and uh, E.J. Daly and V.E. Lynch and, and Bill Nelson. Um, you know th- those guys are really influential and uh, kind of unique to to have your name you know not alongside of them but but be able to say you know I was in a travel magazine and and, uh, and check out these articles that I wrote and and my favorite guy and and I don't even know if he's still with us I, I know he's not writing anymore and he would be really old by now um, but it was, it was a guy by the name of Bob Gilsvik and uh, Bob was editor of Fur Fishing Game forever for a very long time and he was a, a really good trapper and and I just absolutely loved him. I, I loved his uh, his tra- his writing style and the fact that he was just a real down to earth um, you know not a cocky individual and a, a, a humble guy and just a someone that you know you could relate to and in the writing style that he had is actually I've kind of subconsciously um, incorporated a lot of his writing style into the articles that I write on Trapping Today and uh, in Northwest Sporting Journal and and uh, other things I've written. Just because it's kind of a conversational style of writing and and uh, sort of uh, I don't know. It's just uh, you're he's kind of taking you through what's going on in his mind as he's as he's going on the line and making this set and making these observations and I just think it's really cool it's something that that resonated really well with me and and uh and I I just hard to explain it was a real true pleasure to uh, to be able to read Bob's uh, Bob's articles so anyway glad he did what he did and how cool would it be for um, for you to be able to say that you had that impact on somebody else. Um, kind of neat. So anyway, um, I submitted a couple articles. Um, I won't tell you the publications because they probably won't be accepted at this point. But um, I did one on, on Martin Fisher, 
trapping uh, here. Uh, well, basically, he, here in Maine and, and a lot of the things that I've learned recently in the last couple of years on the line. And uh, then I submitted another one to a different publication about um, just kind of my overall journey as a trapper as it relates to you know, catching Martin and, and going and doing different things and trapping in a few different states and, uh, you know, kind of progressing as a trapper. And, and the thing that I really, it really came around to was this whole idea of, you know, what Clint Locklear talks about all the time about trapping like a kid. And, and I talked about how I, you know, I started, I started out really enthusiastic and, and learning all these things and, and just absolutely loving, loving trapping more than anything. And just every single set, I put all my emotional energy into making the right set and making sure everything was perfect and, and thinking about the animals and adapting and adjusting and putting different bait and lure and, and different habitat types. And just, it was just, it, it, it was, it was so, um, it was enjoyable. And for some reason, when it was enjoyable, I also was more successful uh, whether whether that was a coincidence or not, it just so happened to be that way. And, and uh, I feel like I've started, I haven't completely come full circle yet on that, but I've started to to recognize that because, you know, I went a few years of just methodical um, trapping by the odometer, the pickup truck, or the GPS every quarter mile, half mile, put in a set, um, every stream crossing, put in a set, and just... Um, I stopped thinking that way and I stopped enjoying it. Um, so, you know, I still enjoyed it. I always enjoy it, but it just wasn't the same. It wasn't that youthful enthusiasm. So I, my goal, my, one of my greatest goals recently has been to get that back. And, and I've started with the, that under ice beaver trap and I've done this winter. And, uh, I, th- I think I'm going to get there, uh, this year on the Martin line. I'm, I'm really excited to, to set up a brand new line and, and just think, just trap like a kid again. So with an adult's uh, gas budget, I hope. <laughs> so anyway, um, I got uh, two more things I wanted to go over. We're running. Oh, we got a little bit of time. So uh, I reviewed this book, and I, I did it as a YouTube video because, and, and you'll, you'll know why if you watch the video, it's called Commercial Standards for the Marketing of Wild Fur. And uh, subtitle, Adequate Pelt Handling When Marketing Your Fur. This book is the most visual book that you will ever see in your life. It's unbelievable. It's like, it's all full color. It is, I can't tell you how many pictures are in this. But this is basically, it's like 96 pages. And and it's completely all pictures on the fur shed and fur handling and boards and how to different processes and how to take care of furs and how to board them, how to skin them, how to brush them, uh, tack them on the board, flushing. It's just unbelievable. Um, this is a really good, uh, just a really good reference guide. So I keep it in my fur shed now. And this, uh, it was written by, uh, this, this work committee from Quebec. Um, this guy, Antoine Martineau Rousseau, is kind of the lead author on this, and uh, they put this together, uh, as I understand it, to uh, basically to, to help guys maximize the value of their pelts. So uh, to ensure that you're getting the most value of every animal that you harvest. 
and uh, I think it's really uh, hopefully been very effective because there's a, if you follow this information, there's a lot there. The great thing is if you don't like reading, there's not a lot of text to read. <laughs> this thing is uh, this thing is pretty um, pretty loaded with pictures and numbers and symbols. So uh, and then they got they separated out in different types of animal like beaver, mink, muskrat, nutria. Uh, lynx and bobcat, fox and coyote, wolf and wolverine, and so on. So um, it's a, it's a really good resource, and if you check out the YouTube video, you'll see. Um, I I just kind of flip through a bunch of the pages so you can actually see what it's like. Uh, I got mine on F and T. They actually um, it was on. They had some special going, and there was a few bucks off of it. It was not a cheap book, but geez, it, it's got to be expensive to print this thing it's unbelievable that all the color pictures so um, anyway I picked it up and uh, you probably can find it in a couple other places um, but that's where I was able to get it and uh, I think it was well worth it um, there's a lot of information and uh, it's I mean there's not in-depth uh, discussion on things it just shows you shows you what to do so commercial standards for the marketing wild fur check it out um, I'll have it up on the website here um, in a few days. By the time you listen to this, there'll be a there'll be a link to the YouTube video. You can check it out, and I'll probably have a link there where you can click on and and maybe find a place to buy it. Um, I'm I'm thinking F and T is going to be your place right now. And the other thing is a DVD review. So this is one that I've had um, under the vest for a long time. I've uh, it was an expensive DVD, and I picked finally uh, pulled the trigger and and bought it. And this is Clint Locklear's Serious Money Making Strategies DVD, and uh, I think the subtitle is for it's something about oh I don't have it in front of me. It's Serious Money Making Strategies for fur trappers, d- damage control operators, uh, supply businesses, and so on. And uh, the thing is, so it was fifty dollars. Um, not not cheap for a DVD, but and and normally I wouldn't take the the leap and do that for something if I wasn't sure what I get. Um, the thing is, I you know I'd been listening to Clint's podcast, uh, his Trapping Radio, for for quite a while. Actually, I I spent last summer I was making those Lynx exclusion devices for Martin and Fisher and. I had I had to have had 40 hours in just construction of boxes and painting and uh, and all that stuff um, and I, I milled all the lumber if you count milling I probably had more than that but um, probably all of those hours I was listening to trap and radio all these back episodes I just kind of um, I'd known about it before but I never really got into it and then I got into it and <clears throat> I was listening to all these interviews with legendary trappers and and uh, guys in the business it was pretty cool so i uh i kind of over the episodes and listen to that i developed an understanding it you know clint provided a lot of good information on the business side he's real business savvy um he's got you know like all of us he's got his strengths and weaknesses and uh business is absolutely uh one of his strong points um, he just knows how to make money. He knows how to sell a product and market himself. Uh, he he just he's smart in 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 business management. Um, I, I don't know how else to say it. So uh, 
you know, I I figured I got I got so much information, like free information, just listening to this podcast over the all the episodes that I thought, you know, even if I pay the fifty bucks and it's not that great, I'll have considered it worth it because I feel like I you know gave Clint gave back a little bit for for all the free information he gave to me and other trappers. Um, but anyway, basically what I got in that DVD was a six hour brain dump of knowledge about business, all different aspects of the business from fur trapping, um, to animal damage control, uh, to setting up a supply business, to marketing things, to advertising in trapping magazines, to, I I can't even, again, six hours, I can't even begin to tell you how much information was packed in there. Now, video quality, not that good. So, um, you know, it's filmed in, in the, his uh, shed, and uh, there's a lot of background noise. The audio isn't that great, and uh, there's a lot of background noise. There's dogs barking in the background. There's guns firing off. There's cars driving by, people opening and closing the first shed door. Um, so so there's that to contend with. If you're, if you're looking for, like, a super high-quality production, um, don't be disappointed when you find out that's not what this is. However, the information that is contained here is is well well worth it. I mean, it's uh, that for me, you know, like I didn't even watch I didn't even watch the thing. I I turned on, I just couldn't stand in front of you talking, and um, I I have I've have listened to this. It's six hours long, and while I you know in the first shed working up fur, working on traps, um, doing different projects, lure making, whatever. Um, I've listened to this thing three times over already, and uh, kind of similar to his lure making DVD. I, you know, I didn't pick up as much the first time around, but um, this money making DVD, I, I listened. I had to literally listen to it three times in a row to to pick up on everything and really be in the frame of mind um, to to grasp all the different concepts and understand how they applied to me. You know, sometimes it's simple stuff, but if you're not thinking about your particular situation or, you know, he's talking about marketing and like, you know, one part of the video, he talks about marketing uh, for damage control and for predator control, you know, as, as an ADC trapper. But he, there's also concepts there that apply to you in all other aspects of the trapping industry as a marketer and marketing in general. So, uh, you know, it's just getting that understanding and, th- and thinking about how that applies to you. Um, sometimes it takes a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of listening in and, and trying to get that figured out. So anyway, uh, I, I do highly recommend it if you're, if you're interested in the money-making side of trapping. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I've always been a believer, <clears throat> and Clint is a believer, and I, other people are believers that uh, profit's not a dirty word, and, and making money making money is not a, a bad thing. If you're ethically making money in a business, regardless of what industry you're in, um, that means you're providing value to people. If you're providing value to a customer and you're compensated for that, the more value that you provide, the better the compensation. Um, that's how the free market works and that's how we get quality quality stuff out there. So uh, if you want to make money in this business and you have ideas, uh, it, it's probably worth investing in this DVD um, and and uh, checking it out and before you 
you did dive headfirst in the business. Just try to get some of the, you know, some of the concepts I think could help you out. Um, so anyway, that's, um, I did a, a review of that on trapping today and there's a blog post there. You can click on that. Um, if you go, um, it might be down, down lower on the, on the page, uh, by the time you listen to this, but just go down to that search bar, search Clint Locklear or search money making and click search and that blog post will pop right up. So that search bar is your best friend um, on the on the website. It's uh, on the sidebar. If you're on a laptop it's on, or a desktop, it's on the sidebar. Scroll down until you see this search bar available. Click on it. And uh, if you're on your phone, you're going to go down a little further, but uh, you'll be able to find it. So anyway, I think that's it. Went over a lot of stuff. Uh, in this episode and I appreciate you guys listening in hope it was valuable and uh, hope to continue to uh, keep coming back producing more as always get in uh, share with your friends tell people about Trapping Today podcast and uh, get in touch with me with any comments questions uh, and so on and keep on trapping if you're not trapping keep on talking trapping keep on thinking trapping and we'll see you in the next episode thanks